Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. evening everyone i already see some uh some folks active in the chat we can always rely rely on you youtube uh viewers to get in get in here get in early get ready and start talking this is the shout buffalo bills football podcast welcome into a special tuesday night edition i put out my 53 man roster uh projection for the buffalo bills following minicamp this morning, and everybody's had a, a time to kind of dive into it. You know, I've seen some chatter about it. And tonight with my co-host, Ryan Talbot, we're going to dive into this thing. Some of the more controversial decisions, although I will say, Ryan, going through this process, there's not as many controversial decisions as, as you probably make on, on these, you know, in years past, just because of, you know, how packed and talented this roster is. A lot of it is, you know, the writings on the wall here. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, going back to Sean McDermott's first year in 2017, uh, there are so many roster spots for rookies, undrafted players, to now where, uh, you know, you had some draft picks not making this roster. And I think that's, believe it or not, a, a very realistic picture just based on the talent that's here, based on the depth that's here. Not everyone's going to make this roster necessarily. So, some tough decisions to be had, but when it when a roster is this deep and this talented, those types of decisions have to be made. All right. A uh, couple things here. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome in. Hit that like button on the video. If you if you're if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button as well. Smash it, as the cool kids like to say. Uh, we are the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Definitely a great time with the, hopefully the weather turns. It's been a couple of weird days, Ryan. I, we were out of the baseball diamond today, and for the first hour, it was it was kind of cold. It was a little chilly, uh, but I, I see some sunshine in the next couple of days. So get the tops, uh, get your uh, all your grilling needs uh, will be taken care of uh, at the store. Uh, we're we're so excited to have them back in the mix as our sponsor for this season. I want to start off, Ryan, as we take a look at this fifty-three man roster, and I'm gonna I'm gonna. Bring it up on the screen here in a second. We'll take you guys through it, you know, piece by piece. But I thought it would be fun to maybe start off with me the cutoff line, 
right? Because as you're going through this thing, you're not only doing the 53-man roster projection position by position and, and matching it all up. You do get down to it as you're really like, you know, looking at certain players where you're like, ooh, this is a really tough choice. Do I go with this player here? Who do I take away from another position group? How are the numbers matching up? I mean, you've done millions of these over the years. I mean, that that kind of gets the you kind of get in the weeds a little bit as you're as you're really trying to hit that 53. Yeah, it, it, it's tough because, like you said, there's certain positions on this roster where there's talented players who could be let go by the Bills. That I'm not going to say that they're going to get a starting job immediately, but I could see them working their way into a starting role with another team once they're picked up. So legitimate talent, some tough decisions out there. I really like your cutoff point because I think those players we can have a really good discussion about here tonight. So, you know, those play in the mind you, those players that you have on the cutoff point, there's a lot of football left for them to be played here at training camp preseason to kind of knock someone off that pedestal and, and work their way onto the 53. But I really liked your piece today. I think it was really realistic based on where we are at this point in June. All right, so uh, here we go. We'll go through it just kind of generically here to kind of give you guys an idea, and then I'll stop where my you know three toughest decisions came in. Like the the three hardest cuts, I think, is the best way to describe it. We start off with two players, Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We went with four running backs. I went with four running backs, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida, and Taiwan Jones, special teammates, six wide receivers. I know seven wide receivers has been a topic of conversation. I went with Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, maybe a surprise there, Marquez Stevenson. We'll talk about him in a moment. Uh, tight end, three guys, Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister, Tommy Sweeney. Nine offensive linemen. Uh, I think the first run through this, I had 10. I had Jack Anderson making the roster as well. We'll talk about him in a moment. Uh, the guys that I had making for the audio uh, only listeners, Deion Dawkins, Daryl Williams, John Feliciano, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, the expected and projected starting lineup. And then Ike Bucker, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, the two rookie tackles, and Ryan Bates, who can play tackle, can play center, but Early on in his career, he played guard too. And I think that that versatility might be, you know, the the reason that he sticks around as well. I think with Ike Butker, and we'll get into this more in a little while, he can be kind of your swing guard, if you will. And then Bates offers that second level of guard depth if you need it because he's played it in the past. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Here's where I want to start. Because defensive line was where I spent the most time in this projection. And I went with 10, 10 players and the bills under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have never kept 10 defensive linemen. They've, they've the highest they've ever kept was nine. I went with Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau, Starla Tulele, Ed Oliver, Vernon Butler, Effie Obata and Harrison Phillips. And my number one toughest cut so far was Justin Zimmer. And this is a guy that we talked a ton about last year, Ryan, and, throughout the playoff run, a guy that really popped, had a couple of you know his best games um, in the playoffs. And I think that it was, if not for all of these additions, and if not for the restructures of Vernon Butler and Mario Addison, I don't think I make this decision and move on uh, from Justin Zimmer. Now, I do think that he'll be a priority practice squad type of guy. I think they like him that much and if they can get him back in the mix. I think it might be difficult because I think – you're going to run into a situation where, you know, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, all six or seven of those guys probably land 
on an NFL roster after they're cut from the Bills. Yeah, and starting with Justin Zimmer, I mean, a, a player that helped the Bills beat the New England Patriots in their first matchup one year ago. Cam Newton's running the ball. Uh, they're just about in the red zone, if not already in the red zone. And Justin Zimmer strips it away from him. Dean Marlowe recover, recovers the fumble. The Bills win that game. He had some uh, solid plays in the playoffs. And, and he, 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 I wouldn't say he was a factor in that pick six in that Baltimore game. But if you go back and you watch Taron Johnson's interception, besides Trey White, you could see Justin Zimmer like just zooming down the field, a defensive tackle just flying down the field. The guy's a freakish athlete. And I I know the Bills like him, uh, and they would like to get him on the practice squad. But like you said, it's going to be tough. The whole reason the Bills had to elevate him last year is there was a team that was ready to sign him off of Buffalo's practice squad, and the Bills had the uh, option to promote him, and they did. They didn't want to lose him. So this coaching staff likes him. But like you said, they've restructured some contracts. They've added some players into the mix. You're getting Star Latula back. So it's just going to be a numbers game, and this is going to be one of those tough cuts where, uh, like you said, if if things fall the right way for Buffalo and they can add him onto the practice squad, I think they absolutely will. But there's going to be another team that I think at least claims him and tries to bring him in and see what they have there in Justin Zimmer. He's a great piece, and he's I still think a, a, a player that's trending upwards. But I think, you know, you mentioned it, having Latula back in the mix changes everything. You know, in a lot of ways, I think when the Bills drafted the players that they drafted, that made Justin Zimmer in a lot of ways expendable. Because I think some of the things that he does, you can replicate with Boogie Basham as a rookie, Greg Rousseau as a rookie. Not everything. Don't get me wrong. Those are those aren't interior players, but they're guys that I think can do certain things. You bring back Starla Tulele, who we're talking about a guy that played over 50% of the snaps or right around 50% of the snaps in 2019. You have a guy in Vernon Butler who I think is probably, you know, when you go back to Carolina and and when he was at his best under Eric Washington, he was Star Latulale's understudy. He came in on third down. He rushed the passer. He played probably about 35 to 40% of the snaps. Can play uh, a little bit more in that one-tech role, I think, if they set him up to be that during the season. This is a guy that, you know, really outweighs a lot of these dudes. You're talking about a sizable player. Uh, This is a guy that, I think can play that role. And then you have Harrison Phillips in the mix. And one of the big things that I saw on social media today, Facebook in particular was, you know, contention that Zimmer would be kept over Harrison Phillips. And I just don't see that, Ryan. I I think Harrison Phillips is in year four. They're virtually identical when it comes to cost. I mean, there's no, I, I saw that comment out there that, you know, Justin Zimmer is cheaper than Harrison Phillips. Yeah. By a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's, that's irrelevant to the conversation. I think that Harrison Phillips is a guy that they've invested so much into not only as a draft pick, but a guy that's really elevated himself as a leader in the room. Talking about like Greg Rousseau coming in, talking about the impact that Phillips has had at Oliver and so on and so forth down the list. This is a guy that they, you know, Sean McDermott talks about, you know, guys relaying his message in the locker room. That's Harrison Phillips. That's his MO. And, and so I just think that he'd have to be drastically outplayed in spring training and training camp and, or uh, training camp and preseason. I just don't see it. 
I don't see that either. And fans have to go back and remember how good he was looking before he had his latest setback uh, a few seasons ago. Uh, there was we were having some talks. I remember that may, you know maybe he leapfrogged Star a little bit in terms of reps. Maybe not starting, but getting eating into Star's snap count in, in games and things like that. And then he suffers the serious lower body injury last year. He's not fully back in terms of being at a hundred percent, but he made it through the season. Rehabs all off season in Buffalo. Uh, so he's here, he's working with the coaching staff, he's working in the weight room, the GM, the Sean McDermott, the rest of the coaching staff gets to see him on a daily basis, see the work that he's putting in, and he is a leader in that locker room as well. So like you said, I don't see Brandon Bean going around and looking to uh, get rid of Harrison Phillips unless he has a really, really uh poor training camp where someone like Justin Zimmer out clearly outplays him someone becomes available i see in the comments they're they're talking about the fact that the bills signed two defensive tackles tonight which is true and you can't write these players off uh in, in terms of not being able to make the roster a lot of times now when when players get signed people are like oh it's a camp body well yeah they're being brought in to be brought into training camp but what they do with those opportunities will determine if they stick on this roster if they make the practice squad so I can't just sit here tonight and say the two plays that were signed today are just going to be there for camp and, and we'll never hear from them again. It's very possible they could work their way into a rotation here. But with Harrison Phillips, with Vernon Butler, Star Latule, obviously at Oliver, and the list goes on and on, that interior defensive line, it's going to be really hard to claim one of those final spots. Yeah, the two players that the Bills uh, brought in, uh, Eli Anku, defensive tackle, played with the Browns a little bit, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, the Cowboys. Uh, he had been in on a, in on a visit, and uh, Sal Capaccio reported that, uh, I think, earlier in the week or maybe late last week, uh, the Bills pulled the trigger there. And then a former third-round draft pick, he spent most of his career with uh, Seattle, Nasir Jones, uh, they bring him into the mix as well. That's an int intriguing, uh, uh, intriguing name. I think that you look at both of these guys. Jones looks like more of a three tech, a little bit of a smaller guy, and uh, Anku is huge. I mean, six three, three hundred and twenty five pounds. We've been talking about this a lot, Ryan. Like, where's the size? Where's the bulk? I mean, this could be, you know, this year's Vincent Taylor and, and somebody that maybe could get in the mix. Uh, push uh, Vernon Butler and Harrison Phillips a little bit. Uh, we'll see how that pr progresses. One of the reasons I think they brought in two defensive tackles is they lost the defensive lineman. And Brian Cox Jr., uh, Achilles injury, they placed him on injured reserve. He posted on his Instagram account uh, some of the images of him going into surgery. He did post afterwards that it was a successful surgery. But, uh, you know, Shout out to Brian Cox, a guy that, you know, at times the last two years has had, you know, some flashing moments, stuck around for most of last year on the practice squad, uh, tough injury uh, Achilles to come back from. So we'll track that as well. But I want to say in the defensive line, because the second name on this list that was a really hard cut is Daryl Johnson Jr. And I think a lot of people are going to look at this name and be like, man, I don't know, how are they going to cut Daryl Johnson? And, you know, he, he's a guy that they love on special teams, right? The problem is it's a numbers game, Ryan. I, I don't see, if you look at the names here, you know, the one guy, okay, let's let's break it down. Let's start at the top in, in Jerry Hughes. I think that the Bills, you know, if you if we get to 53 uh, roster cutdown day and you tell me that Jerry Hughes doesn't make this roster, there's arguments that can be made for why that's the case. The Bills can save around $6 million. He isn't getting any younger. He's in the last year of the contract. 
I do find that hard to believe that there would be that much of a regression in his game just based on the spring or the summer when really he's probably not going to be on the field a whole t- heck of a lot during the preseason to really be able to evaluate that. You'd have to see that in the practice setting, and I just don't see if the, know if there's going to be enough reps to do that. Mario Addison, they restructured his contract on almost everything is guaranteed for this year. They restructured restructured that contract because I think that they wanted to keep him around for that veteran presence. So I think those two guys are making the roster. Then you talked about the three young guys, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau, three locks. Then I have Effie Obata. And I think Effie Obata, you know, and it's hard here to navigate this because I can't get too much into what I saw there, but I'm not so sure that I pencil him in as a defensive end. I mean, that's, the, the truth of the matter is, I mean, I'm not giving anything away. Leslie Frazier talked about the fact that they like what he offers as a guy that moves inside. His percentage last year of how much he played inside in Carolina, it was pretty high, Ryan. So I think they like that versatility. I think it comes down to an Obata versus Daryl Johnson. And when you put a premium on the production of this defensive line, they have to make sure that they prioritize that line before they think about special teams. They brought in a lot of guys to play special teams. Tyrell Adams can do it. Tyler Medakevich is there. We're going to talk about him in a bit. Um, there's a ton of guys. I'm keeping 10 uh, defensive backs on this roster. I just think that right now, I think you're in a situation in a win-now window where maybe you try to just you know eat Daryl Johnson onto the practice squad if you could. Yeah, I agree completely with you. Listen, when it, when you look across the league, few teams probably emphasize special teams more than Buffalo. They've been very serious about that over the last few years in terms of making sure that that phase of their game is strong. But you can't keep a Daryl Johnson on this roster when you already have a Jerry Hughes, a Mario Addison. You go out and you add two defensive ends in the first two rounds of this year's draft. You sign FAO Bada, who has that versatility to play inside, outside. You know, we, we talk on the offensive line how the Bills love versatility. They love that on the defensive line as well. If someone can kick inside and be productive, and FAO Bada was very productive in that uh, capacity in Carolina. It, it's just a numbers game. And Daryl Johnson, special team standout, great player. I get it. I understand it. It's just a numbers game, and I don't see that scenario. And you were talking about Jerry Hughes, and yeah, is, is there a way they could part ways with them? Sure, any player, you know, minus the Josh Allen's of the world, the Stefan Diggs of the world, any veteran that's uh, over thirty, you can maybe make a case for the, a team parting ways. But the Bills were still very, very good in terms of pressure last year. It didn't always result in sacks. There was a, a tweet that came up today that I saw Sal Capasio quote. Uh, that talked about fastest defenses to get pressure, and the Bills are number five on that list. It took two and a half seconds for the Bills to generally get pressure on the opposing quarterback. Now, it didn't add up to sacks like I just said, but they're still making the quarterback move, making them uncomfortable, and that's because of the Jerry Hughes, the Mario Addisons, the players that saw the bulk of those reps. So you don't replace players like that to keep a younger defensive end whose main the, the main reason he's on this roster today is because of his special teams play. It just doesn't happen that way. Elliot Eisler on YouTube. I like the idea of Obata a lot, but he's definitely more expendable after the drafting of Rousseau. And listen, I think that's a valid take. Like I, I don't want to discount that necessarily, but what I've seen over the course of camp would suggest that Rousseau is a lot more of an, a pure edge rusher than I think anybody is really willing to admit. And I think Obata falls in a different bucket. I mean, go listen to, you know, Sean and Brandon talk about what he did. 
and remember that Obata, another reason I kept him on this roster is he is an Eric Washington guy. Like, I think if you look at why he was brought in here, that's a big piece of this. I think it's a big reason they brought in Vernon Butler. I think it's a big reason they brought in Mario Addison. And I also think it's a big reason why Obata's in here. And to listen to all these guys talk about his versatility and what he can bring, some Sean McDermott is passionate about getting that pass rush up the middle. He wants guys generating chaos from the middle. Obata did a lot of his best damage from the middle of the line last year. So that's just something that that I'm also thinking about here. Yeah. Obata is not a lock to make this roster right now on June 22nd. No one's saying that, but you're right. They brought him in because of the relationship they had with Eric Washington. The fact that he's coming off of his most productive season to date, that he would have led the bills in sacks last season with the total that he generated in Carolina. There's a lot of reasons to believe in this guy, to believe that his best football is still ahead of him because he didn't start playing professional football until his early 20s. Really cool story. If you're not familiar with F.A. Obata, uh, read up on him in terms of his life and and what led him to uh, actually making it in the NFL. So check that out for sure. But yeah, he he has a good chance. He, he makes more sense than some of these players that you left off the roster just based on the success that he's had with limited reps in terms of playing football, whether you're talking at a young age, high school, college, he didn't get most of that experience. And yet we're still seeing it. Uh, We're seeing production from him despite not having that background. We'll circle back if you guys want to this defensive line, because it's interesting. We're going to be talking about it, you know, ad nauseum for the next three months uh, up until, you know, those – those final cuts come. So, I mean, we'll have plenty of conversation on this. This is a first, this is an exercise. Like this is just, you know, it, it's hard to kind of glean too much from what you see in minicamp without pads. I mean, this is all just a projection. I'm trying to take everything that I've heard from one bill's drive this, this last few weeks and kind of extrapolate it a bit to the season. And I, I see a comment in here is that you can't carry 10 on the D line. You're right. It, it hasn't been done before. And I, I think that, Getting to that point where you keep 10, like there might be a better argument to be made for Johnson over Obata because of his special teams acumen. But I'll tell you right now, we'll get more to this. And again, I can't talk too much about, I guess let's leave it there because I don't want to say something that's going to get me in trouble. There's things that I've, there's a reason why I have people where I have them. And I'll leave it there. So um, let's talk about my third toughest call. And it's somebody that we we focused a lot on last week, Antonio Williams. Ryan, I'm trying to get him in the mix here, man. I I really would like to see him on this 53-man roster. I think he's done enough in that one game last year against Miami to really make some waves if he has a really strong camp in preseason to where it'd be tough to get him back on uh, the practice squad. But it's hard for me because... In a lot of ways, and listen, there's differences about their game. There's differences, and even in the way they hit the hole, in the way they run. But I just think there's too many similarities between Zach Moss and Antonio Williams to where you're kind of duplicating a lot of the same skill set. They brought they brought in Matt Breida for a specific reason. They wanted to add that home run threat, that speed element, and that's why I gave him the nod over Antonio Williams. But I'm here for it if you want to try to talk me into Antonio Williams because it was a hard cut. I didn't want to make it. I tried to find every way I could to get him on there, Austin. I'm glad you're here for it because I'm calling my shot right now. Antonio Williams is making the 53-man roster. Now, 
It's not to replace Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida. He's taking Taiwan Jones's spot. I'm taking it, saying it right now. I love Taiwan Jones, the player. We've been talking about it, Matt. Special teams stand out. Special teams stand out. Did you see that spin up. I just did? did I did. And I just I did. You made me spin in my I chair, Ryan. I love it. And I love Taiwan Jones, but at some point, you, you keep bringing back that veteran, Taiwan, one-year deal, one-year deal. And you sit there and you look at Antonio Williams and you say, okay, what can Antonio Williams do that Taiwan can't do? And, and that's just probably the pure running, being a running back. We Taiwan could be a running back. He just really hasn't been given those opportunities. He's just that, carved out that special teams niche more than anything else. Taiwan Jones is the better special teams player right now. There's no arguing that. He's made a career doing that. But Antonio Williams was the MVP at North Carolina of their special teams unit. So this is not like this is something he's never done before. This is not something that he's got to come in this year and say, oh, I can learn special teams. He knows how to play special teams. Can he be an impact player like Taiwan Jones from day one? Maybe not, but I think there's I think there's not a sizable gap between the two when all is said and done. When you compare what Antonio Williams could bring long-term to this roster, not just on special teams, but also as a running back in his case, versus what you're getting in this one year with Taiwan Jones before he hits free agency again, and maybe you, you think about bringing him back into the fold. So I, I just think, okay, you're right. They have Zach Moss. They have Devin Singletary. Those two guys are going to get the first opportunities to be the team's lead back, and I have no issue with that. They're both third-round picks. Matt Breida was brought in to be the speed option. He is not a lock to make this roster by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I like his odds. But if one of those guys goes down and you have Antonio Williams taking on that special teams role and he can get kind of moved into that rotation, I think they feel a lot more comfortable about having him than having to go out and sign a Devonta Freeman in free agency like they did one year ago toward the playoffs or look to see who's out there. They know what they have in Antonio Williams. They know there's some promise there. So for that reason, I'm calling my shot. I'm saying Antonio makes it as that last running back. Listen, I love I love you shaking it up. I love the confidence. Here's, here's the deal, though. Antonio Williams, they're going to have to find somebody to replace plays Taiwan Jones, who who's a 4.3340 guy. I mean, you want to be a good uh gunner in this league, you got to have some top end speed. And Taiwan Jones has that. Um, there's tons of speed on this roster. I mean, you look at a guy like Marquez Stevenson, who I don't have making the roster. We're gonna talk about him in a moment. You know, those are the kinds of guys that you throw out there and you figure out what you have. I'm sure Saran Neal coming out as a safety. You know, people weren't saying, man, this is a next level gunner in, in, in the making. You know, I mean, you find those guys throughout the process. And so, yeah, if you could find somebody, make a guy like Taiwan Jones expendable, get a guy like Antonio Williams on the roster. Who knows? Maybe Antonio Williams doesn't work there, but he maybe makes more sense in a replacement role of Daryl Johnson and what he did in special teams. Wherever it works, you figure it out. And I love that kind of shaking it up here a little bit. And, you know, it gets you thinking, though, like if a guy like Taiwan Jones doesn't make the roster or maybe even we're going to talk about him later. We can probably talk about him now. Tyler Medikevich, who I have making the roster, not making it. you got to figure out where, you know, you're replacing that guy. And if you're talking about one of those guys go and you don't bring in Daryl Johnson, like that's a situation where if they move on from one of those two guys, I think in that scenario, there's there's no way Daryl Johnson gets cut because 
they're they're not going to take that much away from the special teams play unless you're able to replicate it. And that's another thing. We don't know how all of these guys are going to fit in. We've only been able to watch, you know, non-padded practices. So, um, no, I, I like to take though. And I, and I love, listen, I love Antonio Williams. I just think the unfortunate part for him is they drafted a guy in Zach Moss who had he not been here, like who would, who would even balk at a, at a two back, set with him and Devin Singletary at this stage after what he did in that Miami game. Um, Tyler Medikavich. Let's, let's get to him real quick um, because we just got through my three toughest ones. We can go to the, um, let me bring this up here. I'm going to bring that screen back up. Um, all right. Oh yeah, I can I can leave our little uh, our little banner here, our little tops banner. Speaking of which, while we're on the topic, look at that that tops logo up there. It's looking good. We get, they gave us a new one. Smile for summer sizzle. Uh, they gave me a little read here, so I'll give it to you guys right now. Tops fresh burger bar with over thirty varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops fresh burger bar has you smiling all summer long. All right, Tyler Medikevich. Let's take a look at this right here because I have the Bills keeping six linebackers. Traditionally speaking, they usually do keep keep six. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, A.J. Klein, Tyrell Adams, who I think is going to be a bit of a special teams beast as well. And then Tyler Medikevich, Ty, Tyrell Dotson. So in this situation, Tyrell uh, Adams becomes kind of like your 1B backup linebacker with A.J. Klein. The Bills play primarily a nickel, so uh, those two guys are probably not seeing the field much unless there's an injury to Edmonds or Milano. I like Tyrell Dotson because he's got versatility. That's why I gave him the nod over Joe Giles-Harris. But listen, once we get to the summer, that could be a whole new projection. In Tyler Medikevich, they love what he brings from that perspective. It's why he's back in the mix this year. But he's a guy that, Ryan, I think that given how stacked this team is and given how many like spots they'll probably you know want to consider, he could, he could be somebody that's in trouble this summer. Yeah, he's not – again, I keep saying it. He's not a lot to make this roster, and I like the transition. Red meat from tops and in the burger bar to big red Tyler Medikevich with the big red beard and everything else there. So nice transition there. Uh Tyrell Adams, he he's a tackling machine. Joe Giles Harris, someone who they they signed from Jacksonville that uh, we talked about him last week. A, a lot of people thought was going to be brought back into the fold for his uh, for the flashes that he had uh, in Jacksonville. There, there's guys here that could do enough in training camp and in the preseason to say, okay, they can play special teams, but boy, they flashed a lot when they were on the field on defense, and we got to keep those players. At the same time, this coaching staff wanted Matikavich badly when they signed him. So much so when that when the terms came out on Matikavich's deal, uh, some people really, you know, their eyes got pretty big saying that's a lot of money for a reserve linebacker that's really being brought in for his special teams play. Now, when it came to special teams tackles, he was leading the league over a short span of time, a two or three season span. So you you knew why they were bringing him in. They wanted to shore up that unit. The special teams had been a little shaky. That's his path to making this roster. There's, there's no arguing. His path isn't making it as a, a reserve linebacker. It's for his special teams play. So Matikavich, he's still going to have to show up, play well, stay healthy. 
but there's also some guys that you have on that cut list that could make some noise. Andre Smith, the player they brought in last year, uh, did a lot of special teams play this past season in, in Buffalo. Mike Bell, someone they've brought in back to back years. So there's got to be something there that they like about him. And he, you know, he, he's it's not been that long since he transitioned from safety to linebacker. So maybe they just like the the potential there. But there's guys on this roster that they're going to give a solid long look at this summer to see, okay, who are our best guys after Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, AJ Klein, those three players that you know for a fact are making this roster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one interesting one that I had was, was uh, Tommy Sweeney making it as the third tight end. I mean, his special – he's going to have to have a really nice summer special teams-wise because Reggie Gilliam is a guy that can play all teams. Obviously, you mentioned before on this podcast when he was at Toledo, I mean, he was a forced fumble machine there. And so I think – or no, was it block, block. punts, right? Yep. Yes, block, block kick. So, so he's somebody that, you know, again, throw him in the mix as a, a guy that adds value. And they like Gilliam. Like, I know that he was kind of like this kind of weird in-between fullback and, and tight end, but he had some moments last year. He had a touchdown catch in a game uh, from Josh Allen. So uh, somebody in the mix. Let's go back to the quarterback spot, and, and then we'll – probably wrap up on the um, DBs because I do have 10 DBs making it, which is a lot. Um, But again, kind of just hard to um, make cuts there. Um, Mitchell Trubisky and Josh Allen. Listen, I I think they brought Mitchell Trubisky in here to be the backup. I know that it's a, it might be a risk to cut Jake Fromm, but I, again, it's just the, the spring. But I, I, I am projecting a little bit here, and I'm just a little bit concerned at the lack of reps that he's going to get. Because, listen, Mitchell Trubisky's got to learn this offense. If he's going to be the main um, backup to Josh Allen, he's going to have to get reps uh, throughout training camp. And so when they go to those 11-on-11 11 periods, Josh Allen gets you know those, those reps, then Trubisky, then it's been Fromm and Davis Webb. A lot of times Fromm and Davis Webb are kind of splitting what would be like, you know, the work for whatever that other guy is. And so I think with that in mind, is he going to get enough reps to make the kind of progress, make the kind of impression to make it worth a roster spot there? I'm not so sure. And I think that there might be hesitation around the league initially, I mean, if you bring up Jake Fromm's history and one of the issues, you know, early on there, I don't think anybody's necessarily running to kind of bring him aboard. You might be able to sneak him on the practice squad if you're even worried about losing him to begin with. So I think that they go with two quarterbacks in the end, but we'll see. I think that'll be interesting to see if maybe they're still concerned about COVID. Do they want to keep another guy in the mix? We'll see. Yeah, that's a great point with the COVID concerns. They had him as, they had Fromm as the, uh, COVID quarterback last year where he was kind of kept away from everyone else. He would have been the emergency quarterback, uh, had that quarterback room gone down, which isn't that far-fetched. We saw it happen in Denver last year. That being said, I don't expect it to happen in, in 2021 in the NFL, um, just b- based on the fact that you're going to have locker rooms that have players that have been, that have received the vaccine. I think you're going to see lo- lower cases of it happening this year in terms of those large outbreaks that we saw one year ago. But going to the actual quarterback discussion, I think you can sneak Jake Fromm and Davis Webb onto the practice squad. No team, there's no film really out there on Jake Fromm in terms of what he can and cannot do. So if the Bills let him go uh, before the, the regular season begins, 
I'd be hard pressed to find another team in this league that says, you know, I want to use one of my roster spots, my 53 roster spots on this fifth round quarterback that has athletic limitations in the NFL can be a very good backup. Don't get me wrong to bring him in and take up one of your roster spots. I just don't see that. Now, could he opt to go to another team's practice squad instead of Buffalo's? Yeah, that's a possibility. If he thinks there's a clear path for him to eventually make a roster, sure, we, we've seen that happen in the NFL before. But I think there's a path for Fromm to make it to the practice squad. The Bills can continue to develop him. He knows the playbook. He knows that uh, he's an injury away from possibly getting promoted up to the main roster. So there's a lot of reasons for him to stay. As for Davis Webb, you had a great piece on him uh, a few months ago. They look at him as another coach pretty much. They don't want to lose him, but at the same time, no space for him on the main roster. I don't see a lot of teams clamoring for him, despite all the extra things that he does to help Josh Allen, that he would do to help Mitch Trubisky this year. He's going to be another person that you can kind of keep there on the practice squad let him continue to kind of work into that coaching role so that way when he feels his time is up in the NFL, he's going to have a number of job opportunities awaiting him. All right, so defensive backs, the big uh, 10 spot here. uh, You know, let's break it down here. Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, your top, you know, three outside corners. I think Rashad Wild Goose will also be in the mix there. Listen, this is a draft pick. I think that there's, you know, a lot of different ways they can use him. I was really impressed with his physicality in, in camp. So I'm wondering if, you know, if given the assignment over the next six weeks to maybe develop on special teams, if they can't find a roster spot for him. So I'm projecting there a little bit with Wild Goose, but I kind of put him in the pot with Jack Anderson and and Mark West Stevenson, we'll talk about in a second, where it's going to be really tough for these guys to unseat some of these veterans. Taron Johnson just started starting slot, although I love to make a, a case for Cam Lewis to make this roster. I just couldn't really do it uh, without completely showing my bias. And uh, Saran Neal, who I still think, you know, we talked about Taiwan Jones earlier. Listen, I think that there was some real uh, juice there to what you were talking about. If they move on from Taiwan Jones, they can't, there's not, they can't even entertain moving on from Saran Neal, who I think is also in the mix in, in that conversation for top five gunners in the league. And then the four safeties, I think we're probably looking at that mix of Hyde Poyer, Jaquan Johnson now as the vet uh, in year three, and DeMar Hamlin, the rookie. Uh, but a lot of talent there in some UDFAs that the Bills have really hit on over the last couple of years. Lewis Griffin and McLeod this year, Josh Thomas last year, and then Tariq Thompson, all of them have had uh, their splash moments here. What do you think about 10 defensive backs? Because that is a lot, but I think that, you know, the way they use Saran Neal and occasionally uh, on some big tight ends and kind of keep them in holst, although I will say, as much as, we, as we've talked about the, the big nickel over the year, I think we need to kind of put huh, that on the back yeah. burner. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's going to play. I think he's more making this team as a special teamer than anything else. No, I agree with that. I love your list of 10. 10. In terms of can they keep 10, it's tough to keep 10 of any position uh, just because you want to have enough talent and depth across the board. But you look at Buffalo, let just cornerback position first and foremost. There's still question marks there about cornerback to opposite Trey White. They like Dane Jackson a lot. They know what they have in Levi Wallace, uh, but they don't ha- have what I would call a sure thing opposite Trey White. So you want to have some other internal options there on this roster you want to have some internal options at the slot cornerback spot behind Taron Johnson. 
you have draft picks that you you want to develop. Um, we, we've talked week after week about how much we think this coaching staff feels they can develop those day three picks as undrafted free agents. So I really like the mix that you have, and I absolutely think 10 is a possibility. This is someone in the comments say Saran Neal is a cup candidate. If you were just talking cornerback position alone, I, I don't know that I would disagree with you. But as Matt mentioned, he's such a good gunner on special teams, such a good special teams player. And you need some of those players on this team for that reason alone. Uh, he, he has a number of years in this system. Uh, I think that they're confident in him when he is on the field. Now, has he been given all the opportunities that I think maybe he should have? No, but I'm not a coach either in the NFL. I, I go back to that first Chiefs game last year when he was brought in to cover Travis Kelsey. I thought he did a good job in that game. No one's going to shut down Travis Kelsey, but he made some plays in that matchup. And then for whatever reason, he wasn't really uh, factored into that playoff game. He wasn't a part of their game plan. And we saw how much Travis Kelsey or how much more success he had in that matchup uh, against the Bills in the championship game. So, you know, Neil has a, a spot carved out for him. In terms of the guys you had the Bills letting go, I could see all of them being let go, some of them being added to the practice squad. Uh, Cam Lewis obviously being the toughest decision. But, again, how much film is there out there on Cam Lewis right now? Obviously, the Bills were going to move him into their starting lineup one year ago. He played a few snaps before he was injured, I want to say, in that Tennessee game. Um so they like him, but I think he's also a realistic player that they could sneak onto their practice squad. And then one other comment, I did see someone in the comments say, you know, the Bills have to be careful about how they build their practice squad. Yeah, there's no doubting that. There's no denying that, but it does look like the larger practice squad is going to remain in 2021, much like one year ago. It was about 16 spots. Technically, the Bills could have 17 if Christian Wade uh, doesn't make the main roster and they feel like they want to use that extra exemption on him in 2021. Um, John here with a nice comment. Can't keep all these guys just because they play special teams. And I, I think that, you know, if you're just joining us, I mean, that's kind of what I was alluding to when talking about guys like Daryl Johnson, um, who I think a lot of people have, I was unimpressed with Daryl Johnson as a, as a defensive end for most of last year. I mean, he got some opportunities at times. He was their fourth guy with a chance to, maybe even get some more run on times when Mario Addison was struggling or uh, Trent Murphy was, you know, on the, on the outs with the coaching staff. And I just don't think he popped enough. And if you're not adding that value at your main role, I agree with you. You can't just keep a guy because he's an excellent special teams player. If it's taking away a roster spot from somebody that can add to a part of your team where you need to improve on the defensive line, you need to get home more. I know they got to the quarterback. I know they pressured the quarterback, but they didn't tackle the quarterback enough. And I still think you need to do that at a higher clip. Marquez Stevenson didn't make the roster. I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, he looks like he's got a ways to go. I think he, if I'm projecting just from what I saw in spring for Marquez Stevenson, I, I, I'm very, I was underwhelmed. I'm very hesitant to say that he's going to beat out Isaiah McKenzie, who has NFL experience returning kicks at this point. And has been working on it all offseason long. I mean, Marcus Stevenson is a rookie. You know, I, I know the speed is there, but I just think projecting that at this point, I'm more comfortable leaving him out until I see him do it consistently. And then let's get to those offensive linemen, Ryan, before we get out of here. Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle. I had him keeping both because the size components there with those two guys, if you cut Tommy Doyle, you know, and I know it's probably you could probably get him back on your practice squad. But the chance that you can't, if he does, if he puts anything on film in those preseason games, 
I think that that's going to be enough to where a team would come in and say, 6'8", 315, sign me up. Let's go sign them. Because someone somewhere is going to want to add talent on their offensive line. Yeah, offensive tackles are one of those positions where teams are always looking to find players. And I'm not trying to knock Bobby Hart, who's on this roster, but you know, Bobby Hart has that size. He has that uh, that build of an offensive tackle. And that's why he's been in the league for so many years. It's why a lot of players that kind of flounder in starting roles but stick around for many, many years in, in depth roles because teams are always looking for offensive tackles. You can never have too many of them. Injuries happen. And to have someone like Tommy Doyle, uh, a very athletic, raw offensive tackle, be out there and be available, you're right. A team could sit there and say, listen, it's one of our 53 spots, but we liked him in the, in draft season. We Maybe there was another team that was ready to draft him, uh, but Buffalo took him off the board, or they, they had a draftable grade on this player. Teams are going to add those players, especially draft picks from this year. If they had a draftable grade on them and they become available, teams are going to go out and try to poach them as much as they can. So you you do want to be very careful when you're talking about massive 6'8", 315, 320 uh, pound, 320-pound offensive tackles because as, as confident as you are in Deion Dawkins and Daryl uh, Williams, you're an injury away from then needing to move your, your other rookie into that starting role, and then you need the swing tackle. And that's where Tommy Doyle would then kind of move up to in that given scenario. You want to see him be able to beat out Bobby Hart and some of these other offensive linemen. Uh, it's not going to be handed to him, but at the same time, like you said, there'd just be so many teams, I feel, that'd be ready to sign him on the dotted line to their 53-man roster uh, if that were to occur. Just like we saw going way back when to Ike Butker, who wasn't even a draft pick, but the Bills liked him. They, they When they finally cut him, the Chiefs, brought him along and signed to their main roster. And that was for a cup of coffee. He wasn't there long, but teams are at least going to do their due diligence, sign these players, see what they have. And then if they don't like what they see, then finally let them go. But it's a risk that Buffalo would have to be willing to take. Some great comments here. Some of the smartest fans in the NFL are, are Bills fans. And, and you guys are running the money, man. It's a situation where, you know, I let off my story with this, that, you know, Brandon Bean, said it, uh, I think he was on One Bills Live. He said, we want competition to every position. We think we've added that prior to the draft and the players added in the draft. We want to make it as hard as heck to be on that 53. I've just found that successful teams that I've been on, when you were struggling to pick that 53-man roster, that was usually a team that was tough for others to deal with. And I think that that's the goal. I think they'll have a lot of tough decisions. This is going to be a fun summer as we dive into all of this. We'll, we'll kind of uh, – kind of creep back in and, and, and probably get into this conversation on a, on a more uh, nuanced basis as we move, maybe some more spe player specific podcast that I think will be super fun to study for and then dive into. Uh, and we'll get to that um, 45 minutes on a Tuesday night. We're kicking it in. Uh, we're taking our foot off the gas pedal a little bit, Ryan, over the next couple of weeks, but we are still going to be back. We are still going to deliver at least one show per week, all the way up until training camp. We got a couple interviews that we're super excited about. I hope you guys join us for those. Uh, trying to kind of put those together uh, as we speak now. Uh, hit us with your final thought, my friend. Yeah, final thought. Like you said, it's the time where it would be easy to take the, the foot off the gas pedal, so to speak. But here at Shout, we're, we're trying to give you guys all the content possible, uh, both on nyup.com, syracuse.com, but 
right here. So stay locked in, smash that subscribe button. If you can't join us live, go to your major podcast platforms, rate, subscribe, and review. Yes, and hit that like button before you get out of here. And this weekend, if you guys are grilling all weekend long, hit up Tops. Our new sponsor is back on board. Uh, I know a lot of people miss the commercials. We're doing reads now this season, but uh, we're so appreciative to them and to all of you, as usual. Have a great week. We will see you 